Well, if we could this evening for a short while, and with the Lord's help and with the Lord's enabling, if we could turn back to that portion of scripture that we read in Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, and chapter 2, the opening words of Hebrews chapter 2. And we'll read just, we'll read again at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2, from the beginning. Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? My dear unconverted friend here this evening, this question has been on my mind and on my heart over the past week. I read this verse probably last, a week last Saturday, and this question has been with me ever since. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And you know, it's such a solemn and soul-searching question, but it's a question which has given me great cause for concern. Because every day of this week, I've been thinking and praying for those in our congregation who are willfully neglecting this great salvation. And I'm thankful to the Lord that some of you are here this evening, that you're here to have presented before you this solemn question, because you've been on my mind and you've been in my heart every day of this week. And you know that I'm speaking to you. You know that. And you know that I'm speaking about you. Because you know me by now that my greatest concern for you is that you will be saved. My greatest concern for you is that you'll close in with Christ. My greatest concern for you is that you'll have the promise of eternal life. But up until now, you've been willfully neglecting the greatest offer of salvation as it has been presented to you. And it leaves me asking this question. How shall you escape if you neglect such a great salvation? How shall you escape if you neglect such a great salvation? How are you going to escape God's unending wrath and God's eternal punishment in hell if you continue to willfully neglect this great offer of salvation? How shall you escape if you neglect such a great salvation? And you know, the writer to the Hebrews, he asked this question because the people whom he was writing to, they were also willfully neglecting the great offer of salvation in Jesus Christ. They too were willfully neglecting and rejecting Jesus Christ as their saviour. But what's remarkable is that those who were neglecting this great salvation, they weren't ignorant of the gospel. They weren't ignorant of this salvation because this letter, the letter to the Hebrews, this letter was written to Jews. They were Jews who had heard the gospel. They were Jews who were persuaded that the gospel was the truth. They were Jews who knew that Jesus Christ was the savior of sinners. They were even persuaded that the Old Testament sacrifices and forms and rituals, they were persuaded that all these things had been fulfilled 
when Jesus Christ died upon the cross. They were persuaded that the gospel was the truth. But they were not committed to the gospel. They were persuaded, but not committed. And you know, my unconverted friend, you can see how this passage applies to you, can't you? You can see how this question applies to you. Because like the Hebrews, you've heard the gospel. You've heard the gospel all your life. Like the Hebrews, you're persuaded that the gospel is the truth. But you remain uncommitted to the gospel. And if you continue to willfully neglect this great offer of salvation in Jesus Christ. What you're being asked tonight is how will you escape? How will you escape? But you know the reason the Jews or the Hebrews. The reason they refused to commit their life to Jesus Christ. And follow him wholeheartedly. Was because of the threat of persecution. In the first century, there was a lot of persecution towards Christians. Many of them had their homes burned. Others had their property stolen. They received insults and imprisonment and physical abuse. And, you know, it was a threat of persecution that caused them to, to take a step back. It was the threat of persecution that caused them to neglect this great offer of salvation. But for you, my unconverted friend, for you... You don't have the threat of persecution. You won't be made an outcast in your community if you become a Christian. Your home won't be burned. You won't be put in prison. You won't receive physical abuse if you commit your life to Jesus Christ. So what's your excuse? What's your excuse? What's your excuse for neglecting this great offer of salvation? What's your excuse for wasting your life? On the things of this world that will only pass away. What's your excuse for neglecting this great salvation? Because how shall you escape if you neglect such a great salvation? How shall you escape? You know, I just want us to consider this question. And what it's actually asking us this evening. I want us to consider it under three headings. Three headings. Speaking, seeking and saving. Speaking, seeking, and saving. Look first of all at speaking. Speaking, look at verse 1. Verse 1 of chapter 2. We're told, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Now the letter to the Hebrews, it was written in order to encourage Jews. Jews, as we said, who had heard the gospel and believed the gospel, but they weren't committed to the gospel. It was urging them not to turn away from the gospel. And the way in which the writer to the Hebrews does that is by reminding them that when it comes to all the Old Testament types and shadows, where all these sacrifices that were in the Old Testament, the writer to the Hebrews says, Jesus is better. He says, Jesus is better. And you look at this letter and you read it, and I'd encourage you to read it. It's, when you read it, it's quoted in Old Testament language and phrases. Most of chapter 1 is quotes from the Old Testament. That's all we were reading was quotes from the Old Testament. And the writer, he does that intentionally so that we will see that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And that Jesus is better. And you know, even as you walk through the letter, if you read it, the writer to the Hebrews, he says that Jesus, he's better than the prophets. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He provides a better Sabbath rest. 
Jesus is better than Aaron as the high priest. Jesus provides a better covenant. Jesus gives to us a better sanctuary for worship. But most of all, you come to chapter 9 and we're told there that Jesus has provided a better sacrifice than all the the blood of bulls and of goats. Because we're told that by his own blood, Jesus entered once into the most holy place and he obtained an eternal redemption for us. And you know, when you read through this letter, all the time what's been stressed to us is that we are not to neglect this great offer of salvation, all because Jesus is better. Jesus is better. But you know, when we come to this section, those who have heard the gospel, those who have believed the gospel, but have rejected the gospel, They've been reminded here that someone has been speaking to them for many years. Someone has been speaking to them for many years. We're told in verse 1, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And you know, with this, the uncommitted believer is being urged to pay attention to what they've heard. They're to pay attention to what they've heard. But the question is, well, what have they heard? What have you heard? And we're being reminded here, you've heard God's voice. You've heard God's voice. God has been speaking to you, and he's been speaking in in many ways and at many times to you. And I say that God has been speaking to you because this therefore, the therefore at the beginning of chapter 2, It relates back to what is said at the very beginning of chapter 1. Where you could read it. Therefore, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And with this, you're being reminded that God has spoken to you. God has spoken to you. In fact, God has spoken to you. In three ways. He has spoken to you in three ways. He's spoken to you first of all. Through creation. God has spoken to you through creation. Because we're told long ago. At many times. And in many ways. God spoke. And God spoke first. When he spoke into the darkness of creation. And said let there be light. And from that first moment. God has been speaking to us. And declaring to us and revealing to us his glory and his majesty. That's what we were singing about in Psalm 19. That's what we were singing about in Psalm 8. The heavens, they are declaring the glory of God. The skies, they are proclaiming to us God's handiwork and how he brought it all into being. And it's not just a one-off sermon. No, he says day after day. He's proclaiming to you. Night after night. They are pouring forth speech. God is speaking. The creation is God's sermon to us. All the sun rises. All the sunsets. Beautiful sunsets over the west side. God is speaking to you. The stars in the night sky when there's no clouds. And you can see the beauty of creation. God is speaking to you. The birth of a little baby. God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. He's preaching to you through it all. You know, it's the longest sermon ever preached. And the wonder of it is, it's been proclaimed to the whole of creation. 
The whole world is hearing God's sermon. In every part of the world, in every age, and in every generation, everyone has heard the sermon of God's revelation. No one is exempt. No one is exempt from God's sermon of creation. And because no one is exempt, no one has an excuse. No one has an excuse. That's what Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 1. He says that since the beginning of the creation, God's attributes have been revealed. And they've been revealing to us his eternal power so that we are without excuse. No one has an excuse on the day of judgment to say that they didn't know that there's a God. Because God has been revealing himself since the beginning through his creation. God's general revelation. It has been given to us to know that there is a creator. A creator God. But you know God has also spoken to us. Through his special revelation. Which is the Bible. God has given to us the Bible. So that we know how to have a relationship with him. And that's also what we're told here. God has not only spoken through creation. He's also spoken through the prophets. Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke. And he spoke to our fathers by the prophets. The prophets, they spoke the word of God. They spoke with the authority of God. Thus saith the Lord. And you know my friend, God has spoken to you. He's spoken to you not only through the creation. But he has spoken to you through his word. God has spoken to you loudly and clearly through the Bible. And yet the thing is, you know the Bible. You believe the Bible. You might not understand everything in the Bible. But you don't question the Bible. You believe it. But you remain uncommitted to the teaching of the Bible. But my friend, you have to take God at his word. You have to respond to his word. Because this word, it's able to change your life. This is God's special revelation to you. Through which God is inviting you. He's pleading with you to commit your life to him. In fact, that's what David went on to affirm in Psalm 19. That God's word is able to change your life when you respond to it. God's word is able to change your life. That's what he said. God's law, it's perfect. And converts the soul in sin that lies. God's testimony is most sure and makes the simple wise. The statutes of the Lord are right and do rejoice the heart. The Lord's command is pure and doth light to the eyes impart. He's reminding us that God's word is able to change your life when you respond to it in faith and obedience. My friend, God has been speaking to you. He has spoken to you through his word. And he has spoken to you many times and on many occasions. And God is speaking to you tonight. And you need to respond. Because the wonder of wonders is that the God of creation, your creator, the one who made you, the one who sustains you, the one who keeps you, your creator, even the one you've sinned against and rebelled against, he's still speaking to you tonight. He's speaking to you and he's lovingly inviting you to come to him and respond to his word. 
But are you just going to ignore him? Are you just going to ignore him? Are you just going to reject him? Are you going to turn away from him? What are you going to do with what God is saying to you? Are you just going to turn a deaf ear to it all? And hope that this will all come to an end soon. But you know God has not only spoken to you through creation. And through his word. He's also spoken to you through his son. His son Jesus Christ. And you know this is the point of the entire letter. Because we're told in chapter 1. At the very beginning of chapter 1. Long ago at many times and in many ways. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days. He has spoken to us by his son. My friend, in these last days, the last days is the days since the cross of Calvary, God has spoken and God has been speaking to you through his son. God has given to you the gospel of Jesus Christ and he's been speaking to you for years through his son. He's been speaking to you for years through his son. Therefore, you turn to chapter 2. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How are you going to escape if you neglect this great salvation? Dear my friend, if God is speaking, then it's time to start seeking. If God is speaking, then it's time to start seeking. And that's what we see secondly. So we're seeing speaking, then secondly, seeking. Seeking. Read chapter 2, verse 1 again. Therefore we must pay much closer attention. We must give earnest heed to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. You know, in this opening verse... You're being urged to pay attention. You're, to, you're being urged to give heed to what you've heard through God's Son, Jesus Christ. God has spoken to you through His creation. God has spoken to you through His Word. And then these last days, God has spoken to you through His Son. But, you know, what does God say about His own Son? And when you read through the Gospels, well, we see an occasion where God speaks about His Son. You remember the occasion on the Mount of Transfiguration where God speaks from heaven and he speaks about his son and he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That's what God says about his son. Listen to him. My friend, God is speaking to you through his son and God is saying to you, listen to him. Listen to him. And you know, someone who listens they not only hear, but they also respond. They respond to what they are hearing. They respond by listening and obeying. And you know, my friend, it's good to listen to the voice of Jesus. Because Jesus has many good things to say to us. Jesus' first words when he entered the ministry were, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whosoever comes to me shall not hunger. 
And whosoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whosoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whosoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives in me and believes in me shall never die. Jesus says to us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is speaking to you. He's speaking to you. And Jesus says to you, whosoever will come to me and deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Why? For what shall it profit a man if he were to gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? What will it profit him, says Jesus? That's why Jesus pleads, whosoever will, let him come unto me. And that's what Jesus is saying to us tonight. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My friend, Jesus has many good things to say to you. And my longing is that you'll respond, that you'll respond to what Jesus is saying to you. That you'll even respond like the hymn writer. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. And I wish, I wish your response would be like the hymn writer. I came to Jesus as I was. Weary and worn and sad. But I found in him a resting place. And he has made me glad. My friend, you've heard much. You've heard much from the lips of Jesus. And you've been given much. And the Bible solemnly reminds you that to whom much is given, much will be required of you. You've heard much. God has spoken to you through creation. He's spoken to you through his word. And he's spoken to you through his son. And what's so sad is that even though you've heard the gospel and you believe the gospel, you still remain uncommitted to the gospel. You're still in the same position you were in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. The same position. Lost. That's your position. You're lost. Absolutely lost. My friend, God is speaking to you. And you must respond to him. Which means that you must actively seek the Lord with all your heart. Because if you think, well, if I'm going to be saved, I'll be saved. There's nothing I can do about it. If you think that salvation is just going to drop into your lap. And fall into place or click and make everything okay for you. And give you this bright light in the sky. And give you this warm fuzzy feeling. If that's what you think then you're sadly mistaken. 
Because when God speaks through creation, through his word, through his son, he speaks using imperatives. God speaks using commands. He calls you to come. You know the imperatives in the Bible, they never, God never says sit. God never says stay where you are. God never says wait for this bright light to come down and this voice from heaven to speak to you. No, God says ask, seek, knock. Come, look, listen, hear, take, follow, repent, believe. When God speaks to us, he speaks using imperatives. He speaks using commands that require a response. And tonight you're being asked, how can you escape the wrath of God against your sin if you neglect this great offer of salvation? How can you escape if you don't respond to God's command to ask, seek, knock? And follow and come and look and listen and hear and repent and believe. How can you escape if you stay where you are and do nothing? If you want to go to hell, my friend, do nothing. That's the default position. But the wonderful offer of salvation is come. Come. Come now. My friend, you've been reminded this evening that you need to escape. You need to flee the wrath to come. You need to actively seek the Lord with all your heart. My friend, you need to pay attention to what you've heard throughout your life and respond to it before you're too late. Before you're too late. You need to stop putting it off. Stop putting it off, whatever it is that's holding you back. And just come and commit your life to this Jesus. And you know the thing is. You know I'm talking to you. And you know I'm talking about you. And my friend. I'm asking you tonight. How shall you escape? If you neglect such a great salvation. How will you escape if you neglect this? It's such a solemn and soul-searching question. We've considered speaking, seeking, and then we're going to see, lastly, saving. Because if God has been speaking, then it's time to start seeking. And then God will start saving. If God has been speaking, then it's time to start seeking. And then God will start saving. Speaking, seeking, saving. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? We said earlier that the purpose of the letter to the Hebrews was to urge those who have heard the gospel and believe the gospel. It was to urge them not to turn away from the gospel. This letter was written so that uncommitted believers just like you it's so that you will not reject and neglect the full and free offer of salvation through Jesus Christ in many ways you could actually say the letter to the Hebrews was written for you you so that you will not be stubborn or hard-hearted or ignorant or indifferent to embracing Jesus Christ as he's freely offered to you in the gospel and you know, in many ways, my friend, this letter, it has your name on it. 
And it's reminding you, Jesus is better. Whatever it is you're clinging to, Jesus is better. And this letter was written for you so that you'll be reminded that your lost condition is serious. And you need to see that it's far better to follow Jesus and cast your lot in with him than to lose your soul in hell. My friend, this letter was written with the plea that you would gain Jesus as your savior rather than be lost for all eternity. And let's be honest. God has spoken to you. He's spoken through creation. He's spoken through his word. He's spoken through his son. And to reject or to neglect what God has clearly and lovingly said to you, to reject it would mean death. The wages of sin is death. Not only physical death, but spiritual death and eternal death. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And my friend, if you continue to reject or neglect what God is saying to you through creation, through his word and through his son, how will you escape? If you neglect this great salvation. Dear with a solemn and soul searching question. How shall you escape. If you neglect such a great salvation. And you need to answer this question. Because as someone who has heard God speak. If you continue to reject. Or neglect the gospel. Do you know this. You're more guilty. You are more guilty than those who have never heard the word of God. You're more guilty to whom much is given. Much will be required. And you know it's a solemn warning. Because as someone who has heard the gospel all their life. And as someone who knows the gospel even from a young age. Someone who believes the gospel. Someone who may even enjoy the gospel. Maybe you love coming to church. To neglect or to reject the offer of salvation. It will make hell an awful place for you. To neglect or reject God speaking to you. It will only heighten the torment. And add to the pain and suffering you will receive in hell for your sin. Because you know I believe that if you die in your sin. If you die in the condition that you're in tonight and you wake up in hell, you will be tormented with all your missed opportunities. My friend, in hell you will be, you will be reminded of God speaking to you through creation, through his word and through his son. You'll be reminded that God spoke to you through those sunrises and those sunsets and the stars in the sky and the little born baby. In hell, you'll be reminded of all that you heard when God was speaking to you through his creation and the wonder of it. But more than that, in hell, you'll be reminded that every time God spoke to you through his word, do you know, I believe you'll be reminded of every sermon you ever heard. Every sermon. You'll be reminded of every preacher who stood before you pleading with your soul. You'll be reminded of every prayer that was ever pleaded. The parents, the grandparents, the friends that pleaded for your soul. You'll be reminded of it. You know, you'll hear every verse that was ever preached in your ears. You'll hear it all in hell. 
And I believe, you know, I believe that you will hear everything, everything that pleaded with your soul to come. And yet you neglected and you rejected the great offer of salvation. And you know, being reminded of every opportunity you've missed and lost, it's a solemn thing. And it will only add to the awfulness of hell, which you have to endure for all of eternity. But there's more. God has spoken to you through his son. Not only creation, not only his word, but also through his son. And all his son will have to say to you, having spoken to you all your life, all his son will say to you, depart from me, for I never knew you. That's all he'll say to you. My friend, why do I tell you all this? Surely you know why. I tell you out of love. I tell you because I have a genuine concern. I tell you because I know you need to be saved. I tell you because I want you to be saved. I tell you because you need this great offer of salvation. You need to respond to it. I tell you because you need to flee the wrath to come. I tell you because you need to run from the fury of hell that awaits those who have not committed their life to Jesus. And I must stress to you that you will not escape hell if you reject or neglect this great offer of salvation. It was Spurgeon who once said, morality may keep you out of jail, but it's only the blood of Jesus that keeps you out of hell. Morality may keep you out of jail, but it's only the blood of Jesus that keeps you out of hell. And so the only way to escape, the only way to escape is to come to this Jesus, to come to him on bended knee, to come to him and commit your life to him, seeking him with all your heart, asking him to save you. Saying to him like the publican, God be merciful to me, a sinner. How shall you escape if you neglect such a great salvation? If you neglect it, my friend, you can't. You can't escape. That's why the offer of the gospel is free and full. And it's given to you. And you know, I just want to conclude with five short questions. Five short questions. Give me your attention for that. The first question is why? Why is there a hell? Because sin must be punished. God is holy. Sin must be dealt with. What what is hell? Hell is the truth realized too late. Where? Where is hell? Hell is at the end of a Christless life. How? How shall we escape? We flee to Christ. He's the only fire exit. We flee to Christ. When? When shall we escape? Now. Right this very moment. Now, may the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray.
O Lord, our gracious God, we give thanks to thee that thou art one who is gracious, a God who does not deal with us as we deserve, but a God who deals with us in mercy and who gives to us the free offer of salvation by his grace. And Lord, we pray that each and every one of us, or that we would pray like the publican, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, that we would come knowing that if we confess our sin, thou art a God who is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, we pray that each and every one of us here, or that none of us would neglect this great offer of salvation, that none of us would be found in a place where we cannot escape, but that we would be found in Jesus, where there is free freedom, where there is fullness, where there is the promise of eternal life. Lord, hear us, we ask. Save, we pray. Oh, save to the uttermost. Pluck them as brands from the burning for thy glory and for the extension of thy kingdom. Hear us then, Lord, we pray. Bless us in our being together. Bless us in our parting one from another that thou wouldest keep our going out and our coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Do us good for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to bring our service to a conclusion by singing the words of Psalm 86. Psalm 86 in the Scottish Psalter, it's on page 341. Psalm 86. We're singing from verse 10 down to the verse mark 13. This psalm, it's a, it's a prayer of David in which David is thanking the Lord for graciously hearing his cry, his cry for mercy. And he's asking the Lord for guidance now that he's a Christian. And he's thanking him for delivering him from hell. It's a beautiful psalm. He says in verse 10, Because thou art exceeding great, and works by thee are done, which are to be admired, and thou art God thyself alone. Teach me thy way, and in thy truth, O Lord, then walk will I. Unite my heart, that I thy name may fear continually. O Lord, my God, with all my heart, to thee I will give praise, and I the glory will ascribe unto thy name always. Because thy mercy toward me in greatness doth excel, and thou delivered hast my soul out from the lowest hell. These verses of Psalm 86 to God's praise.
The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.